0: We've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Digest for $20 off your first purchase. This podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com for more info
1: all right we are live thinga and Dorosa house enterprise house of college hoops podcast joined by matt st Jean. matt michael how are you both uh, it's a it's a
0: friday
2: afternoon and i'm talking college hoops so i'm excited to be here yeah i love being here i mean there's nothing better than talking college hoops uh Bit of a weird last week or so, but you know, we survive, we thrive. Time to kill the game.
1: Yes, uh, today, Big East preview today. Uh, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna try to preview every single conference, starting with the Big East. Uh, we do have some Big East news before we get into it. Uh, a cook, a cook officially entered the transfer portal. Michael, what what's the what's the scuttlebutt on where he goes and how does this impact Georgetown?
2: He'll end up going to West Virginia uh west virginia reached i mean the story goes that him and jose perez went to the same high school putnam science something or other i forget exactly the name of the school putnam science academy putnam science academy i was right i should have should have trusted my gut sometimes uh but yeah they went to the same high school more money west virginia west virginia is desperate for the roster because of the whole huggins eilert situation some i think they lost two guys they lost were both bigs so they needed a big you got to stretch big like a cook I think it hurts Georgetown from the perspective of, I think their best path to almost relevance in the Big East was being able to zag where everybody zigged. And if you have a five like a cook, you can make sure the floor is spaced, block shots, all that sort of thing. You'd be able to space the floor and kind of like almost get like a Klingon or a culprit or whoever like out of their game in a sense. I thought that'd be their best path. So now you don't have that. Your bigs are Ryan Matumbo and Supreme Cook. Um, that's not great. So, uh, I'm assuming they're going to add more spots considering they have 10 roster spots filled now and nine, if McKenna is an eligible on day one, which he reclassed as late as he did. I feel like that's not super likely. So they're going to end up filling more spots it's just a matter of who and well, actually if, and who. Yeah, well, I yeah. think it's
0: interesting because Ed Cooley has kind of become known as a guy who plays his teams through the post and through his bigs. And I think a lot of that, I mean, you think, look at Nate Watson in the Friars a couple of years ago and the way he constructed that offense. So losing a big, as talented as a cook, a cook is tough when you think that that'd be a pretty strong part of the offense. I will say, though. You go back to earlier providence teams and there were a lot of teams in there with no true center and instead two forwards who would do a lot of the offensive scoring two smaller guys uh, emmett holt and rodney bullock doing a lot of that work you go back a little ways so strategically i'm interested to see how ed Cooley adjusts around this it's going to put a lot more of the emphasis for the scoring and the defense on the guards for georgetown because that front court it, the players have not been all that productive. Uh, well, Supreme cook's been productive, but not at the high major level. These guys have not been that good in college. And there's also no depth there. You need at least one more body in the post.
2: Oh yeah. they They need to get more guys. It's just a matter of who, but, uh, we'll get to that later. That's a tease. Yeah. That's what they call it in the business. The
1: tease. Uh, well, one thing, one person they can't, uh, get
2: in the portal now is Mac
1: Etienne from UCLA who recently committed to DePaul. Um, Etienne wasn't very impressive at UCLA. He was, he was a former four-star recruit. Uh, yeah, just didn't have a great career over there. But he was, you know, behind some really good bigs. Dembona, like, you're just not going to carve out too much time. Uh, it is a body, and DePaul needs bodies down low. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's an overall net win, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, l- I like the addition for them. They needed some size. Um, I think Jerry's very much still out on how good of a player he'll be at the high major level. But as a guy who came into college with talent, was highly regarded at his position, and if DePaul can get even just a little bit of that out of him and showcase it, that can get things going in the right direction for that program.
2: I think considering Etienne came in with the COVID year and redshirted, I think he still has three years of college eligibility left. So it's, had, it's yeah, enough. Yeah, he find. had
0: – I believe he tore an ACL in yeah. there too. And so yeah, he did medical so.
2: redshirt, then – because he came in in the covid year I think yeah you know, just so kind he's,
0: of- I think he's played
1: two seasons and still has three yep. yeah he reclassed so, back in the day um, yep. yeah yeah so he's still a pretty young kid so I, yeah I mean you never, you never know uh, give Stubblefield uh, a couple of years to develop him and I don't
0: know maybe next year hes he, yeah and he's he's the tallest player on that roster dePaul has at six foot nine churchill a bass a base. I do not know how to say his name uh, from Nigeria, and then three guys at six foot eight. So only two post guys there for the Blue Demons as well. Uh, you look at Georgetown and DePaul. I don't
1: know what these teams are going to do against Donovan Clingan.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, we'll jump right into the rankings here. Um, so I had Michael, Matt, and then myself uh, compile Big East preseason rankings. Um, and then uh, if you let's say uh, the if you had somebody if you had Marquette. Winning the conference, they would get one point. If you to DePaul getting last, they would get 11 points. Um, and I just took cumulative scores. Uh, so let's start out here. The number one team in our rankings is Marquette. Uh, surprising, unsurprising. Total ranking of 1.33, two firsts and a second for the Golden Eagles.
2: Yeah, Marquette was my number one. Um, I just... I think the argument for not putting Marquette number one would be that they've already reached their peak. They've already peaked that they hit their ceiling in terms of like efficiency. And I, to an extent, I see that. Like I, I don't think they're getting much better than they were last year, but if I got a team that returns just about everybody, I'm going to take them. Uh I still have I have questions about almost every team in the top 3. Marquette's question is has they reached their ceiling? That's the one I'm least worried about because they're either going to be as good as they were or they're going to be a little better. You lose Omax oh, uh, oh, Prosper, that hurts, but I trust that team enough they're going to gel together. We they know how to play really well together. You're returning the biggies player of the year. That's just my number 1, it's the safe pick and I'll play it safe sometimes.
0: Agreed there. And I, I also had them number one. So I think, Chris, you're the odd man out. And I'll be curious to hear your thoughts here. Um, it was tough. It was close for me between Mar- Marquette and UConn. I've gone back and forth, but I like the consistency with the Golden Eagles. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Shaka Smart, at least as a regular season coach here. And that's um, just a lot of good players on that team. And you have you know good incoming freshmen, guys who are role players last year, who should be in bigger roles this year. And I, I like the idea of, of rising sophomores and maybe rising juniors playing better ball in that system than some of the freshmen that UConn is going to be relying on to be important pieces this year. So that, that's what
1: gives them the slight edge in my eyes. Chris, what were you seeing? Yeah, um, Matt and I were talking offline here just before this, and he, we were kind of talking about how, yes, you lose Omax Prosper, but maybe maybe even the bigger loss for Marquette is David Joplin as the sixth man. Uh, so he'll have to start now, and you don't have that very reliable scoring option off the bench. Um, the depth, I'm not in love with. Like, they're a very good team, but there's a reason why on Bart Torbick they're the number four uh, Big East team. They're number 17 in the country, number fourth in the Big East. Um, they're number 35th in in Torbick's projections for defense. I don't know. Like, there's a reason for that, and it's because there's just not – a whole bunch of depth that's super proven yeah uh, i love kolak and Oso will continue to get better better he made great strides last year but i don't know for me i just think I, when i look at the rosters and the coaches i just think uh yukon is just more impressive uh, spoiler i put yukon at number one but yeah
0: when i think you look at this marquette team and there's there's questions about like if if they've maxed out uh, the guys who are supposed to be the best players there are guys who weren't really like top recruits. And sometimes you just see those guys hit a ceiling and you expect them to keep growing. It doesn't happen. Um, and you also add in, look at the computers. Marquette kind of hit a plateau near the end of last season. They were rising and rising and rising and then ended somewhere in the, in the teens, I think, or at 10 on Ken Palm, something like that, even though they kept winning. Um I think that's because that the metrics didn't like the metrics always saw UConn is better than Marquette last year. So if Marquette is the same team next year that they were this year. They're a team that is probably outside the top 10. And with some of the other Big East competition, that could land you second, third or even fourth um, in the conference, depending on how good you think these other teams are
2: yeah uh, i could see any you argue any of the top three being number one i just think marquette's the most consistent and the question we have with them is have they hit their ceiling if they have plus the loss of omax that you lose a lot defensively particularly with omax that you lose a lot of like the switchability you're able to do um i think that'd be a big question for them i think it's how do they replace omax but this team has just been so consistent and I feel like the team like UConn, if you we don't know who the lead option is there, there could have some off days. I feel like Marquette's just going to be consistently good enough to win games. The win games that they should. I don't think you're going to see Marquette get upset too often versus I could see like a team that I have sixth beating UConn one day. Or a team, same thing, beating Creighton too.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, we can move on down here. Um, I will zip through this because I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. UConn number two here in our rankings. Um, yeah, the Huskies, are they're just going to be really good. The, the question becomes, you know, Stefan Castle and a couple of these younger guys, how good and how quickly will they adjust to the Big East style of play? Um, also, I think, you know, Jordan Hawkins is not replaceable. Like shooting-wise, he bailed them out a whole bunch. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, UConn still is a bit of a question mark, but undoubtedly to me a top 10 team in the country.
0: Yeah. And they also, I mean, you lose Adama Sinogo. for as good as Donovan Klingon's going to be this year. They had two of the best bigs in all of college basketball last season. So no matter what you always had an elite player at that position, that's not going to be the case this year. And that means you're just, there's going to be like five minutes out there every game where they're just going to be a worse team than they were last year. And there's no doubt about it. And, um, yeah, they dropped to second for me. They're a national title contender, uh, especially if everything goes right. They're, they could be the number one team kind of wire to wire again in a lot of ways in the computers. If everything goes right for them, you just you need to see it actually happen with those young guys.
2: Yeah, I think my definitely big question with UConn is who's the lead offensive option? Because I don't think Caravan or Klingen are necessarily lead options. Spencer... The one thing Spencer really struggled with at Rutgers was when he had to be the lead option. They went to Derek Simpson because Spencer just could not handle it. That was the one thing he could not do. And um, so is it Castle? I think Castle's good, but I don't know if he's ready to be the lead create option yet, at least on a top 10 team. I think he's good and I think he can do that, but I don't know if he's there yet. And Tristan Newton also isn't a primary scorer. So I feel like you just don't have the same scoring punch that you had with Hawkins. You don't have the leadership you had with Jackson, and the same scoring punch and interior play you had with Sonogo. Uh, that being said, though, I took a national, uh, not a national player of the year future, a hundred to one. I got on DK. The line is way off now. I took Donovan Klingon. Is that? I want to see your guys' thoughts on this before I share what I'm thinking. Is that a good bet?
0: Hundred to one. I, Absolutely,
2: to one on Yeah,
0: I think so. Well, and like I think, if anything, my concern with it is that with Zach Eady last year, and then how things went in the postseason, you may have voters who are biased against the big man, and maybe looking at a guard. But like Donovan Kling, uh, Sam Viceni, I think uh, he had Klingon as the top NBA prospect in the Big East, and with his size and ability like we've seen him shooting the shooting the three ball we'll see if that actually translates to real games here but if he can do that and he's playing now 30 35 minutes a game at that level with that same efficiency that we saw last year he'll be in the conversation and
1: he might well end up being the big east player of the year yeah um one quick question for you guys here uh torvik has uconn 14th in offensive efficiency for this next year if I bet one of you that they would be worse than 14th, would either either of you take that? Depend depending on the line, because even. I think I think something not even. Um, I think their I, offensive numbers are going to be worse than than 14th in the country. So then it's like, well, if you don't have an elite offense, then I mean, shoot, I don't know, I don't know if they can win the Big East. So it's it's tough. This this conference is just a jumble.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing I'm worried about with this team is who's the lead option. And the one thing I'm worried about with my national title, uh, my national player of the year, I don't know why I said title twice, is I feel like just those awards are kind of narrative based and you want to vote for the guy who scores a lot of points. And I don't think Klingon's going to be the leading scorer on this team. Like if he'll give you 13 and eight in legit defense or something like that, right? I don't know if that'll be Edie who will average 21 and 10 guaranteed, even though Klingon might be the more impactful player per se, something like that. That'd, that'd be my one worry with it, but well, I saw a yeah. hundred to one and I bet.
0: Well, I think you've both correctly pointed out the playmaking concerns with this team. I think, you know, Andre Jackson really hurts them there, but again, if playmaking is a concern here, I think that makes Donovan Klingens odds for that even better just because if the, if, if, if I, I worry about penetration with the guards and, you know, it's, it's Tristan Newton, who's not really a creator on his own and some freshmen and the cheap and easy answer here is we're going to do a lot of plays designed for Donovan and Klingin. we're going to go ahead and copy the, the Nate Watson Providence offense from a couple of years ago, where every play starts in the post, or getting the ball to the post first, and then working out from there. And Klingon, I think, can be excellent in that role, can score 20 a game in that role, if that's what you're asking him to do. And then off of that, that gives you the, the kickout options to Spencer uh, and the Caravan on the outside, to work things so i think that can be good enough to be in elite offense in college basketball again if if you're getting it's really a like you're, you're three four five if you're getting the production that you think you are in the lineup and this can be a top 14 offense easily
1: yeah um okay well we'll move on here well uh, i i have a question here yeah.
0: I saw uconn at 2.33 in that average did one of you have uconn not in the top two in the big east
2: I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see.
1: (laughs) We got Creighton at 2.66. And here is why. Okay. (laughs) Here is why this isn't a biased play from Chris. Um, Their shooting is going to be so much freaking better than last year. Um, Shireman will be more productive in my opinion. Like, Just with who's around him now, with Ashworth being a – legit uh, perimeter threat that nemhart really wasn't as much uh, Trey will continue to develop. Shireman's numbers should go skyrocketing up. Kalkbrenner, I mean in small sample size going to the Bahamas, but he looked really comfortable outside. Like I think that could be a legit part of his game now. Okay. Michael, I saw I saw the uh, the head nod, but did they play anyone in
2: the Bahamas? Like yeah, what they? They were did losing they, at like, halftime
1: in one of the games.
2: <laughs> did they, yeah, was that like <laughs> is they that a like,
1: brag, Chris? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Were they playing like the national team that had Buddy Heald and Eric Gordon? Or were they playing like the scrub team?
1: I don't know, honestly. I, I don't know too much about who they played. But I did – I, I watched the games and yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, y- you can see if he feels comfortable or not. And He felt comfortable. Uh, the four spots the big question for Creighton. But I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, I like the Blue Jay team. I think they're going to be very, very good next year. I have them third in the conference, but it's that four spot that's holding me back, And especially if you compare that to what UConn and Marquette are bringing to the table. Marquette's got David Joplin, who, I, who is still a little bit unproven, but was the sixth man of the year last year, and who should be very good. UConn has Alex Caraban who has, has just been excellent. He really came on last year, and it's like, all right, well, Creighton's not going to be able to match that. I love the way the guards fit together. I love the Baylor Shireman, Stephen Ashworth, Dubo. I think that's going to be electric. I think those guys are going to score a ton. Just worry, you know, a little bit about rebounding. It's been a lot of pressure on Ryan Clark in the post, and I think that's the difference between being a team that's really in contention to win the Big East and one that has a chance but is slightly outside, which is where I've got them at three.
2: I think Creighton's offense could be the best unit in the Big East as a whole. Just. The offense, I mean, they're going to be able to score. They're going to, I mean, what? I I could argue they have the two best shooters in the conference. Maybe even the three best, if I put Alexander up there, frankly. Uh, Ashworth, Shireman, Alexander, those guys, I all probably can shoot 40% from three. Particularly Ashworth, that dude is wet like water. That dude doesn't miss. Um, The four spot is one question. You have Trout, Miller. Miller hasn't shown a ton in his college career yet. Trout, I don't think played at all last year. That's one thing. And two, are they going to play any damn defense? I know Kulk Renner can defend. Is Ashworth going to play any defense? Alexander's okay defensively. He's not, I wouldn't say, I'd say he's good. He's not great. Shireman's okay. And then at the four spot, I don't really know if you're getting much defensively. I think you definitely lose defensively with, uh, you lose Nemhard and Kaluma. Those I could argue were your two best non-Kalkbrenner defenders and Ashworth where he is an incredible offensive player, especially with how efficient he's going to be. He'll be a marvel to watch. Defensively, I have questions. I think the quicker guards in this conference will just be able to blow by him at times, and it will just look easy, and then you can drive and dish on this team. So there are definitely some worries for me on the defensive end for this team.
0: Do we think Ryan Kalkbrenner goes three in a row here for Defensive Player of the Year? If he stays healthy,
1: 100%.
2: Yeah, I don't see who would... Beat him, but I feel like if I feel like my one, I mean, Clinging. My one argument would be like if their team defense is like in the seventies, you just can't give it to them. Yeah. You just can't, and I think that's a yeah. possibility. It wouldn't be an indictment on him, but yeah, yeah no motor like... fatigue. It'll be Clinging. There's a there's a pick. There we go. Yeah. Send it.
0: I, I could easily see it being Clinging. I don't think that's a hot take at all, especially because UConn's team defense will probably be better than Creighton's. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. A lot of that's going to depend on Creighton at the four, but.
1: Yeah, um, I honestly I think should, uh, Stephen Ashworth is going to be just fine defensively. He's not going to be great. Uh, it'll be worse than hard was, but I think he can hold his own. I mean, Mountain West had like sig- significantly better guards this last year than years prior, uh, and he held his own. So we'll see. But yeah, Matt is one hundred percent right. Where the four is, is where you're going to lose quite a bit um, defensively. But okay, this is moving this is on.
0: Significant... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Move
1: on. Uh, our number four spot in the rankings. Any guesses? Who do we think?
2: Well I know who what? I put, so I feel like the, there's a little like cheating because I know who I put, but I put yeah, Villanova. The, so yeah, I put Villanova, Villanova
1: too. Yeah. <laughs> well that's not good for me. <laughs> All right. Why is it why is it Villanova and not St. John's, Matt and Michael? I'm gonna call it you go first here.
2: I think I just kind of trust this Nova team. I think a lot of the guy like you return. I feel like people are forgetting that Justin Moore is really good at basketball. Like I, I guess because he was hurt and then he came back and Nova just kind of whimpered. Like they're like, oh, man, that guy must suck. It's like, no, no, he's really good. Um, I don't know why people seem to forget that, but he is. And I love the addition of Tyler Bird. I think he is someone who should be on maybe like late second round NBA draft radars. I think he is really good he is he's able to score in every spot on the floor and i think his addition will that's going to be a really switchable defensive team too they're going to be hard to guard in spots um like what if you have Hart, bomba justin moore on the floor those you can switch every spot and you i mean how good luck scoring on that good luck driving in the lane on that and where you might be weaker at the five spot defensively with either dixon or lance Ware. i trust that um I wasn't super impressed with Mark Armstrong in uh, the U-19 tournament. I thought he played poorly, but I think that's also partially a reflection of how that team was coached and managed, so I'm not putting that on Armstrong. But I really like this team. You're going to have a ton of switchable pieces defensively. You're going to be really good shooting the ball. You're going to be consistent offensively. And where my questions with this team are coaching and, I mean, defensively at the five spot I think this team's really being not talked about enough for how talented this roster is. I could argue this is a top 15 roster. And if I, if I had more faith in coach Neptune, I would probably put them third.
0: Yeah. And I think this, this whole group is going to be a referendum on what Kyle Neptune can do. It's not like it's basically a whole bunch of veteran college basketball players who have all proven that they can be incredibly productive on winning teams. Plus Mark Armstrong and, and, uh, who I think is primed for a big sophomore leap. I like him a lot. I think he's one of the more likely guys to take a big leap this year in the Big East. Um, and if all that stuff happens, there's no excuse for this team not to win a lot of games. Like you said, they're going to play good defense. They're going to be very switchable in the middle and with their guards. And I think you're going to get a lot of scoring depth. I think this is a team that you can comfortably go seven deep and feel really, really good about the guys that you have out there. You couple that with the experience, um, if, if it were a different name, a head coach and a guy with more experience, then I think we're talking about them in serious contention to win the conference. It's just that Kyle Neptune doesn't have a lot of years under his belt here, and we could be looking back in 12 months saying – we shouldn't have doubted this guy. Villanova was obviously going to win the Big East from the start. He learned from Jay Wright. Villanova has another great coach. We could we could easily be saying that. So I like this Villanova team a lot. I think um, I worry about the center position a little bit because there's height at other places in the conference. But Aaron Dixon's pretty good defensively for his height, too. Yeah. He's very stout. Guys don't back him down very far. So I like this team a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, Now to poop on it a little bit and keep in mind, I did have them fifth. So it's not like uh, I don't believe in them. I think they're an NCAA tournament team. Um, What is one thing that TJ Bamba, Tyler Burton, and Hakeem Hart have in common? They were really good for not very good teams. Um, I don't know. Like Burton, yeah, you were the guy at Richmond. TJ Bamba, yeah, you were the guy at Washington State. Those teams were bad last year. Um, I mean, Burton...
0: Furton was a big part of that Richmond team that beat Iowa in the NCAA tournament. It's not. Furton sure, it was sure. a big part
2: of the team that Maryland Maryland beat West Virginia in the tournament. Those are two guys. Yeah, that West Virginia was, in the was bad. They were a nine. Maryland what was a nine. Team. Have I
0: Wasn't I mean, Bamba part triggered. of that Washington State team
1: that made a run in the NIT too? That's the NIT, granted. All right, yes. Like... Let's uh let's give TJ Bamba credit for being the second man on an NIT run <laughs> two years ago. No, um, I like they're all good players in. In of their own right, but they're not necessarily proven winners at the college level yet. Um, So that is like, I don't know, it's a lot of mouths to feed of guys that are used to being one or two options, and they're not going to be now because Dixon and Moore are better than all of them at scoring, in my opinion. Um, And so we'll see. We'll see how everything flows together.
2: The team you're going to have next will have a lot of mouths to feed of guys who were one and two options. They have the exact same concern. So you're going to have to argue why. You but know, a different
0: head yeah. coach that'll yes. that'll make a big difference there. But yeah, I am I'm interest interested to see how Neptune manages the rotations with these guys. Because yeah, some, a team, good a good player is going to have to be the odd man out for Illinois.
2: Yeah, if this team underperforms, I think you're going to have you. I would start looking elsewhere for uh, head coach. I, he just yeah, might not be yeah. the guy. But this team also could overperform this ranking, and they could make us all look really foolish because I think that is well within the cards.
1: All right. On to number five. Before
0: we do that, by the way, because um, we were talking about uh, a cook a cook earlier, we now have a Trilly Donovan West Virginia yeah. GIF tweet. So, ooh,
1: it's West Confirmed. Yeah.
2: It's been yeah, West basically. Virginia for a while. Uh, I even yeah. said it on the ECB pod I did a little while ago. Shout out, uh, shout out, my guy Josh. Uh, yeah, those bastards. Uh, <laughs> nice solar guy. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about some other options when we get there. There's another tease. Yeah. I'm so good at that, dude. I mean, come on. I'm learning on the job here, man. Woo! You're good tease. Uh, on number five,
1: St. <laughs> St. John's Red Star.
0: <laughs> Michael, this is all you,
2: Johnny's. Yes, yeah, Slick Rick, baby. Uh, this team is really talented. Like, uh, I think one through five, they're incredibly talented. Uh, Sim Wilcher is a just freshman, I'm really high on Jordan Dingle. I'm not going to say anything about him. Chris has got that. I'm not stealing his thunder. Um, I, I I respect my limits. Yeah, Joel Soriano, um, double double machine. Was he second nationally in double doubles last year to Zach Eady, or did someone else jump over and get second place? He's top
1: three for sure. I forget a few second. Top three
2: double doubles. Like yeah, uh, that guy's he's good at basketball. Let's just put it that way. Um, definitely the Little Worry is too many miles to feed. Um, like I don't think Ledlam really raises their ceiling a ton i think he's a very good player he'll be very solid in his role but i don't i don't know if i'd call him like great or elite he'll just be very solid same thing uh, i actually haven't i don't know too much about taylor and um uh, archie louise so i would like to look into those guys a little more just because i think if you're taylor you were on a bad team last year at oregon state your efficiency numbers sure they were good but how much of those came in garbage time and also will he be okay accepting a He's a bench player now will you be okay accepting that bench role same with rg louise i think Louis starts actually i've heard very good things from people i trust on him i just want to look into him a little more just so i can have my own opinion too but i think he's gonna be really good and i like danis jenkins more than most people do i figured that out the other day apparently uh, i think he's very good i think he was almost as good as walter clayton and i feel like clayton put uh, people put clayton on a really high pedestal and he deserves that but i feel like uh jenkins i couldn't think of his name was right there i feel like those guys are about as good as each other and i think this team is really talented it's just a matter of how do they gel together how are they defensively i've definitely got questions on the defensive end with this team but i have one of the best coaches in college basketball so um i'm i'll i'm chilling with them at fifth and i think they should be a tournament team yeah
0: i was i was shocked to see see that lunardi had them as the last team in um that seems too low for me. And it's like, I, I get why there's questions. It's one returning player. So, like, I get the questions, but it's also, yeah, Joel Soriano is very good. And you got a pair of guards there now in Jenkins and Dingle who are very good. And a, and a good one five combo will win you a lot of games in conference play. And I think you got a couple that can work there. And then you got one of the best coaches of all time who never has bad defenses and a lot of veteran players. Uh, there's no way this team is going to be bad. I think it's going to be competitive all season long, should win a lot of games, will easily be a tournament team as long as nothing bad happens in non-conference play. And if everything comes together correctly, uh, that'd be a long shot, but they could be in contention for winning the Big East and could absolutely win the Big East tournament.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Now time for me to wax poetic poetic about uh, Jordan Dingle. I genuinely think you could win – uh, Big East player of the year. I really do. 23 and a half points per game last year. Uh, over 60% true shooting percentage at Penn. Um, and that's a Penn team that, I mean, yes, they were good, but it was majoritatively because of him. Their second third options were Nick Spinoso and Clark Slackert. Uh, two guys that I don't really think could play in the Big East. And, and Jordan Dingle like, had them atop the the Ivy. In, in A pretty darn good Ivy last year. So I think he's awesome. And um, yeah, alongside him, there's enough complimentary pieces where if Dingle is as good as I think, which is a huge gamble for an Ivy league transfer. But if he is, then I saw Michael, somebody asked us on Twitter, what's the highlight, what's the ceiling for St. John's really fucking high. (laughs) Like I think two or three in the conference. I really do. um, If everything pans out because you have, yeah, like both of you said, you have a, arguably the best coach in the conference slash country. Um, And then a pretty intriguing roster with, you know, a couple of guys that are looking to improve draft stocks from, from their mid-major levels. So I'm, I'm excited to watch St. John's.
2: Yeah. I think the one uh, for the ceiling, I don't think I'd pick them to win the big East. I think that's a little outside their ceiling, but like second and third place I could see. Yeah. I
0: think they could win it. If things, you know, it's basically if, if everything hits right, they could yep. they could win it if, if you got Jordan Dingle coming in being a Big East player of the year caliber guy and the defense gets to those Rick Patino levels and, like, Zubio Giafor coming in. If a guy like him can actually, like, live up to the hype. Simeon Wiltshire coming in. If a guy like him can make an impact right away, then it's like, all right, this team is crazy deep. And that could win you games, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I
2: think I, I like fifth here for the Johnnies. Yeah. It seems it's right. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say that this team's crazy deep. Uh, one another concern I have, I guess, very like light concern though, is like I feel like with Wilcher, Jenkins, and Dingle, those are three guards who are best with the ball in their hands. Particularly Wilcher. He is so much better with the ball in his hands when when he's playing off the ball. Um, so I feel like there's only one ball. That's that is a thing. So you have good like Soriano is very good and very few touches. Like he just kind of creates his own touches. So I think he's like the perfect piece for them, but still with those three guards, there's one ball. So just want to see also, how that, I, that
0: I like the idea of high lots of high ball screens for them with Soriano and then using that to uh, I don't know. Being being able to have like multiple drivers with the ball means you can have a high pick and roll. The guard's going to keep it, and then he can kick to another guard who will slash behind and
1: things like that. I think it opens up some options for you.
2: Yeah, and Patino made Smith and Siva work, so you uh, <laughs> can do it here too.
1: Uh, really quick, what uh, without looking, uh, what do you think Bart Torvik's projection defensively is for Saint
2: John's? Sixty four. That's a right I,
0: if I'm if I'm remember, I had looked at, I've looked at this recently. Isn't it outside the top 100 or at least outside the top 75? It's 90th, yeah. Which is a legitimate That's
1: possibility. <laughs> it is sure. it's
0: just Rick Pitino just like doesn't have bad defenses. Like it's just I'm not I'm like the defense might not be excellent, but I don't see a world where it's outside the top 75 or the top 60.
2: Yeah,
0: I think they'll make it work. I hope you're right. Okay. Well, it's a bunch it's a bunch of old guys. It, it is. That always helps play
1: defense. Okay, well moving on to sixth place now. Um, here's where it, it's kinda interesting. There's a group we had the yeah, the top four, and then we have a group of three, Saint John's being first, the second one, Xavier Musketeers. Right on. So did we all put them sixth? Are we unified sixth. in this?
0: Sixth all around. Yes. I suspect the next team might be might be the same all around too, but I yeah, Xavier, Xavier's looked really – I like Quincy, Quincy Liviari. I think Sean Miller's trying to run it back with the Conference USA All-Star team thing and some better recruits. And it's like it worked last year, so I'm not going to bet against it this year. I think they'll be worse, but I think they'll still be a very good team.
2: I had a problem with the Conference USA All-Star branding. Uh, look, they got a very good Conference USA transfers, but I'm looking at the best players in that league. Jordan – I mean, Jordan – Jelly Walker, Tyler Perry. They're not on this team, so that is. I think the CUSA deserves more credit than just <laughs> labeling like these guys who are very good. Like I, I think this team is, has a ton of talent. Uh, if I'm just going back to serious mode, um, one question I have is: I feel like there's a decent bit of projecting going on with the Xavier team. Like Claude, we have we are projecting him to take that jump. I don't mm-hmm. know how good McKnight's going to be for this team. I don't know if he's a true one. I knew they were running Claude at one in um, the Bahamas. We'll see if that happens in the season. I presume it will. Um, yeah, I just I, there are a couple questions I have with the rotation on this team. I'll get to it later once I oh. more formulate my thoughts. Jerome well, Hunter is really
1: fun. I will say, Jerome Hunter is uh, awesome. And I hope
2: he, yeah. I hope he's playing I hope he can, like that. I I know those injuries yeah. are so scary.
1: I know. Um, him in, yeah, like if, if Fremantle, I assume I didn't watch all of their overseas stuff, but I assume he's hundred percent. He didn't play. He's, no, he didn't play. No. Okay. So,
0: but that, if they're both healthy, that Jerome Hunter or Zach Fremantle pairing at the four, you can just, you can kind of go offense defense with that. Like there's certain limitations because of the, the, the lack of overlap in their skills, but also you got, you got guys who are
2: excellent at one end of the floor. And I think that helps you a ton. Here's a take. I think Abu Usmane is their most important big man. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I know what I'm getting out of Fremantle. I know exactly what I'm getting out of Fremantle. He is a very good scorer, and he can't really defend. He is defending in quicksand. Usmane is an excellent defender and you are coming from a North Texas team that played defense, 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 defense. They were so good on that end. I think his defense could take this team up a level. And if he just isn't able to defend Big East guys at that same level, I think it really, their defense could just stink again. And I like Trey green as a freshman, but he's a bench player. I just think he's really good in that, like six man spark plug type role. That Lou Williams type role, I think is what I wrote. Uh, Yeah, I think. And then, but I feel like we're projecting a little on Claude. I think Olifairi is their second leading scorer. I just think he's good enough too. But I don't know if McKnight's ready for this level because I think my main question there would be, he played for a Rick Stansbury team, and I don't want to be mean to Rick Stansbury teams, but they were what I would classify as a stupid team. They just had talent and they just found ways to lose. So I don't know if that was, I don't think that's McKnight's fault at all because it happened no matter who the hell Rick had on that roster. Like, he had Charles Bassey on the team, and then he had um, Mitchell Robinson was on the roster, and they couldn't make the tournament. Yeah. So, yeah, I just hope – I think Miller's a much better coach than Stansbury, so I feel like they should find a good use for him. But you never know if someone's just not – just well, almost regressed in a sense. But he's very talented. This team has a ton of talent.
0: Yeah. I think the other name we haven't mentioned is uh, – I, ho- I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, Lazar Djokovic, who – they signed this morning. Who's from? Where are you from? I think it's Lithuania. What he was Serbian. Serbia. Yeah. From <laughs> Serbia. Coming over 19 years old. I uh, appreciate the comment on my haircut, by the way. Um, but, yeah, bringing a little bit of size and scoring there. He's a big question mark. I, so if there's a whole bunch of question marks for the Musketeers. Yeah. I think that's why they're in the second tier. But, like, it's Sean Miller, and there were a lot of question marks in my eyes last year, and he made it work. So, I'm going to assume he makes it work until we
1: see it. It doesn't work. Yeah, I that's that's all I have for Xavier. You guys hit it well. Um, as Matt predicted, a true seven for the Providence Friars. Um, yeah. I do think this is the right order of the two of them, Xavier and Providence. Um, but I think I'm more excited to see what Providence does. I think the ceiling is higher, and maybe that is a hot take. But the ceiling for Providence is higher than Xavier. I'd agree. Yeah, I I would say of the the
0: three teams here in the second tier of the Big East, Xavier, St. John's, to Providence, Providence may end up being the most talented of the three, at least the high-level talent on the roster. The question is the coaching. Kim English is a guy who's kind of been a media darling for a while, and everybody around him absolutely loves this guy. It's why he doesn't stay in one place very long. He keeps getting promotions because people love him. He also has been an ad coach Uh, at the the college basketball level for two years and has never been a head coach at the power conference level. So it's a whole new world for him. And he's jumping in the deep end right away with a team incredibly talented with high expectations. I'm curious to see how things get balanced. They're already talking about spreading the floor more. Um, I I like the way this team comes together. You're just relying on Jaden Pierre taking a jump. You're relying on Corey Floyd Jr. taking a jump. You're relying on Garway Duel being what... Some, including Sam Viceni, have said about him as a, a possible one-and-done type of talent. If you can get that production, the high-quality production out of your guard group, then with Bryce Hopkins, this team has, that's not no ceiling, but this team can go very far. The counter is that there's a world where things fall flat for all three of those guys. Kim English is not the head coach you think he is, and this team completely misses the tournament.
2: I think this team is a very high ceiling and a very low floor. I think they probably have the widest range of outcomes of almost anyone in this conference. Um, I am worried about the point guard play. I have not seen Jaden Pierre do much. Same with Corey Floyd. And I, I think Duval is very good. I think he's a multi-year college guy. Personally. I think he could use two, three years and then he could be maybe like a lottery pick type guy. I just think he needs a little bit of time to develop and like shore out some of those elements of his games that like I have questions about, particularly as like a ball handler and pressure. I I I guess that makes me a hater. I think he's very good, and I think he could be in the league in a couple of years. But year one, I don't see it. I, if that makes me a hater, then so be it. Um, and the Kim English has said a lot about pushing tempo and shooting a ton of threes. Where I think pushing tempo helps, his team doesn't really have a ton of shooters. Duval isn't a shooter. Carter's not a shooter. Hopkins is not a shooter. Where those guys can make shots, they I wouldn't call them shooters. If that makes sense. Like I don't think Boy, they're yes. like forty percent three guys.
0: Well, and that I think that's what makes this season so interesting is that it's a group with a ton of talent. You are relying on player development yeah. in year one of a head coach here to a huge degree. You're relying on Bryce Hopkins was very efficient and in, in low volume as a three point shooter last year. You need him to become a knockdown guy this year at the four. Corey Floyd was a guy who looked really good in stretches as a shooter. You need that. You need him to be a jordan hawkins type this year probably not to that degree but to be that guy that comes in and it takes that year to leap he's not going to shoot like jordan hawkins did uh, i don't know if he has that ability but a guy who can just hit a ton of those shots and garway duel like sam viceni loves his shooting and a lot of people have said that it has improved since the last time you played you hear that about every single player in the summer let's see what happens when it's on the court against real guys
2: yeah. one more thing before i let chris speak just to interrupt him as much as possible uh, on his own sure. show where he, he's first uh kim english hasn't coached a good offense at george mason and where i said rick stansbury and western kentucky were the captain of the stupid teams i think if you looked up a stupid team in the dictionary it would show whatever team rick stansbury is coaching (laughs) Kim english at george mason those teams made some just mind numbing mistakes down the stretch it's just like how this team you saw like the ceiling in that team like they beat maryland like they smoked them and it was awesome. Four, that was like a Kim English's
0: season. fourth game ever as a head coach.
2: Oh, my God. They smoked him. That was so electric. Oh, that was awesome. But then, like, they go down the stretch in the A-10 in a bad A-10, and they, are, they underperformed twice. So I just have so much questions with him as a head coach. He is awesome at the media stuff. And I think in our, like, little Slack chat before you guys, like, really knew he was the coach, I was like, dude, he'd kill the media stuff. It's just the on-court stuff
0: he's a really good recruiter, too. He's an excellent recruiter. It's just turning and stuff. And he's had, I mean, he didn't have great offenses at George Mason. They also had a lot of their best scorers hurt this past year. So it's it's very tough to evaluate him as a coach. Uh, Chris, I am going to add one more thing before you go here, um, because I think it's important when you look at the schedule for the Friars, too. Providence opens, you know, you got your two bye games at home week one. Week two of the season, games three, four, and five for Kim English as head coach of the Providence Friars home against Wisconsin, a team that could be in the top 25 for that game, a neutral site game against Kansas State, a team that we saw Mika run last year, and then a game against uh, either Georgia or Miami, on neutral site. He gets those three games in a six-day span in his second week. I think we're going to learn a lot very early on in his tenure about what the Friars look like, what he wants to do, and, and how put together this
2: group is. Chris, I'm going to interrupt you one more time. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, please. Josh Aduro is good at basketball.
1: Yeah, no, I was so surprised nobody mentioned Aduro um, the whole entire time. That was I was set up so well, but no, never mind. Uh, no, Aduro <laughs> and uh, and Hopkins as a one-two punch of like athletic, physical, big forwards is going to be awesome. Like really fun to watch, and they're going to clean up the boards super well. Um, this team it has to be built on physicality for them to win. I think they just have to out tough teams. Um, Because they're just, they're not going to be super awesome at shooting. Um, They just got to be just tough and gritty. And Devin Carter can do that. Hawkins Oduro can do that. Yeah. If if the guard play steps up, if Pierre steps up to the plate and is a serviceable Big Ten or a Big East guard, I think this team could be pretty darn good. Yeah. Tournament. Uh, I think tournament is like, if they make the tournament, it's a successful season. If they don't, it's a disappointment. I could tell you expectations around Providence. You asked some people, they're going
0: to say this team should win the Big East. So uh, I think, yeah, expectations are all over the place for this group. I know there's a lot of excitement around Kim English, which also makes things difficult because uh, yeah. even if Kim English is an excellent head coach, then it's still tough in year one with expectations that high to meet them. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating situation to monitor all year long.
2: I think another thing I'm a little worried about is that they did overperform last year, like I feel like in preseason rankings, which, granted, don't mean shit. Even though, oh wait, we're doing them, so actually ours mean a lot, but everyone yeah. else's doesn't mean anything. I uh, just a little worried that maybe that team overperformed, and we might see a little bit of regression just naturally, and that could well, be attributed to the coach when it shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the thing that the four-game skid the Friars had at the end of the year has been attributed a lot to Ed Cooley and you know thoughts of of, of greener pastures there um and i'm not sure how much of that is the case and there's a like locker room stuff things like that but i think last year's team also had fatal flaws and i think it's tough to evaluate because last year's providence team was really bad in stretches and also played like a top 25 team in stretches and i don't know it's jekyll and hyde and i don't know which one's real and if the good one was real then this is this is a providence team that arguably could or should be a top 25 team this year when if things come together if it's the other way around and that four game skid we saw at the end is truly how good these players are then i think the Friar should just be happy to make the tournament um and that
1: would be an improvement on what we saw at the end of the season all right moving on actually one more quick thing the yeah. top o rating player on providence projected by Bartovic, is Corey floyd i mean well, i'm not you know, i'm impressed. not surprised I'm not
0: surprised by that because that's also an efficiency thing, and I think he, he might be in that sweet spot where he's like the, the high-level role player where he'll be able to be super efficient because he's not being asked to do all of the things that Devin Carter or Bryce Hopkins or maybe even Jaden Pierre as a
1: ball handler are being asked to do. Yeah. Fair? Okay. Let's see what Numero we got eight. We're, we're breaking the trend of just true true numbers and getting back to uh, to some decimals here.
2: Georgetown,
1: number eight. Thoughts, questions, concerns, feelings?
2: This what? is where I had Georgetown. I guess I'll start uh, because no one else wanted to speak. I uh, think th- the two of you had Georgetown at eight here. Is what I'm yep. saying. Yep. What? Okay. We'll get to that when you speak. I had <laughs> Georgetown at eight. i I'm very high on Jaden Epps. I will have a write-up on him coming up soon. I've looked at a lot of it. He is one of the best downhill guards I've ever seen for a freshman. I think he was underrated in that recruiting class. I think he is really, really talented. He gets to the lane so well. He is so crafty. He has so many different ways he can get to the lane and finish. And truly, I think he is someone who could average 15 points a game. I think he is one of the best few guards in the conference that no one is talking about. I think he is really, really good. And when I look at the rest of this team, I think when you have someone of that talent who will finally be used properly, because Brad Underwood did not want him to, like, Score, because I don't know what Brad Underwood is doing with his guards at some points because Terrence Shannon and Jaden Epps are so talented, but they were both almost the exact same player. So you, there was no dichotomy. I don't know. That's a rant for another time. Um I just think Jaden Epps is so talented. And when you look at Rowan Brumbaugh, he was the top 100 kid. A very good playmaker. He played with my little brother uh, one time, so shout out to him for that. So I'll talk highly of him there. But he also played really well in Georgetown's like tenner league, which granted means nothing, but I just think it, he looked good, and that's a good thing. Ishmael, you have guys who can space the floor and hit shots. You're definitely worried inside, particularly with the loss of a Cook Cook, and they will need to add someone else. You have ten guys on the roster right now. I you look at the list of guys available. It's Malcolm Dandridge who was like okay. You, you know he was fine for memphis he was playable yeah. i think he played like 20 minutes a game um you have him lea Leah or alia i don't know how to pronounce it uh he's a player from argentina played really well in the u19 things uh he is someone who like the international kids get a lot of nba buzz and then but at the same time it's like they could make the nba or they could just be nothing so when you're recruiting international kids particularly this late in the cycle it's a boomer bust and if they bust you got a kid in august and he busted so what and if they boom you look like the smartest guy on earth so it's basically a, almost like a you set yourself up and you can't fail so i think he's someone you bring in just high potential and i see what you can do there but i think Jaden epps is going to be really really good and you have shooting with heath and masood and i think Brumbaugh's legit i think this team could surprise people but at the same time there are still questions, particularly inside. And I think those, and with depth pieces too. And I think those questions are legit.
1: Yeah. You know. Epps is going to have to be awesome.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and look, Masood, what, what's going to have to happen is is just going to have to play a little bit bigger than he did last year. He's 6'9". Mm-hmm. He's a, you know, smallish 6'9", but he's just going to have to play a little bit more down low, uh, which is a bummer yeah. because he is best when he can pop out and shoot quite a bit. So, uh, that, But unless they get another big, that's just gonna, what's going to have to happen. Um, yeah. I, I do think, I, think the, yeah, go ahead. I, I was the one here. I had Georgetown 10th. Yeah.
0: So I'm the odd man out here, and I feel like I should explain that. I like Jaden Epps a lot too. I'll agree there. I'm just – I'm not really sold on the rest of these pieces. Um, I don't think there's a lot of talent on – I mean, there's talent like Drew Fielder. I think is talented. Uh, they have some young talent. I don't think there's a lot of proven pieces at all for this season and if you come into the big east this week at the center spot and with this much depth this is the roster we got on august 11th will this be the roster in two three months probably not uh, when the season starts but if we're judging based on what happens today even if they're adding random bodies i think they're really going to struggle in the paint i mean i like ishma suit but he's like a role guy to me i don't think he's like he was, he was a role player on a good Kansas State team last year, and I'm not entirely sure how good he's going to be thrust into a much, much bigger role here for George Town. They might be asking him to be the second best player on this team right away, and I don't know if he can do that. And after that, I, I, I have I have a lot of questions. Like just like Wayne Bristol and, and Jay Heath and Dontre Styles aren't guys that are moving the needle for me. Supreme Cook has been productive, but as a uh, a high major starter or high major big minutes guy, I'm not entirely sure. Ryan Matumbo hasn't done much, and that's all of their experienced players. That's all of them. So I I think it's going to be Epps and a whole lot of guys who are just okay. And Ed Cooley's a very good coach. I think they're going to be well coached, and no, that's going to make them better. But I think, you know, you can only do so much with the the players
1: you've got. And if you're Georgetown, you're already kind of looking forward to 24. Ed Cooley, man. Uh, that yeah that he is the reason I had him at number eight Uh after talking about it with you both maybe I would move him down to nine but I just don't love any of the teams eight through 11 uh in the Big East I think it's a really really great conference one, one through seven and then eight through 11 is mm, eh. yeah
0: yeah well I think you go back to like Ed Cooley's early years with the with the Friars too and there were a lot of a lot of teams with elite guards and very few wins and i feel like we might see something similar where it was you know bryce cotton and then not a whole lot else and four wins and in the basement of the big east and i feel like that's kind of where Georgetown's going to be starting here
2: i think you said proven players and for the most part i agree i think jay heath is more or less proven that is a guy who has averaged double digits efficient double digits in the acc pac-12 and big east I think that's exactly what you're going to get out of him this year. He could be probably like a third scoring option, we'll say, if Masoud is two, which you recruit Masoud. Masoud would have gone to a mid-major unless you offered him a bigger role. So he's going to have a bigger role, and apparently a Cook wasn't particularly happy with that. I can't confirm that, but that's just what they say. Um, I feel like – I don't know. I'm really high on Jay Nepps. I think he is someone who will really surprise people. I – I think he's special. I there no, are not I, many guards who can get to the lane like he can. He he is so good. Just controlling no, fouls, all that. No, no, I well, I think he's excellent. I think the counterpoint
0: to that is that like look at DePaul last year and how good their guards were in stretches and how well they played and how much the team still struggled because the the Big East is really really good and um, I think you look at DePaul last year and really good guard play with a weakness in the paint is not a good recipe.
2: Well, DePaul also couldn't play a lick of defense, and I hope this team can yeah. play a lick of defense. Yeah, but Michael, I, I, I feel like I, uh,
1: I feel like Epps is going to be your last year's Mike Miles. Like I feel like that. Well, Mike
2: that's Miles was here. so good; he does not get nearly <laughs> enough credit. Oh my God, um, undrafted? Are you kidding me? Okay, oh that's my God. bad,
1: listeners. Me. That's my bad. I shouldn't have done that. Uh,
2: yeah, Jaden Epps is a star, and uh, there'll be another kid I'm talking about in the next team who uh, I think is going to be a star as well. Maybe not this year, but down the line. Is it the next team? Mm? Oh mm? no way! Oh uh? no! Never mind. I stand corrected.
0: So this is uh, this is interesting because I, I had Seton Hall at eight for me, um, and the thing, Chris, I don't know if you have Bart Torvik up at to the moment. I don't. I don't know if you can reference these numbers. Bart Torvik is very high on Seton Hall for next year. I believe it has the Pirates ahead of St. John's in the projections which I think is too high, but it's a group that should be a lot more bought in than the group we saw last year. And I have questions about the defense, but Shaheen Holloway always gets it. I do not love their paint players and their guys at center, but outside of that, I think it's a Seton Hall team that I think should be very solid. And it seems like to me, they seem like one of those teams is just going to win like six or seven big East games by just hanging around and wearing you down and playing fundamentals in a lot of ways. And I don't know. I, I kinda like I like the, the makeup of the Seton Hall team relative to what we saw from last year's group. I think they're they're better put together for what Shaheen Holloway wants.
1: Yeah. They uh Bart Torvick, you're right. Uh Torvik has him hovering around top fifty. Um I yeah, I'm I'm with Matt. I had him above the last two teams on the list here. Uh the roster, any roster with Kadari Richmond, I'm gonna be pretty big fan of he's just so good both on both both sides of the ball offensively and defensively uh, a Wusu um, from St. John's is a pretty good addition I think uh, he gets yeah. out of a, kind of a broken system in St. John's and uh Shane Holloway. I think I do, Mike uh, Anderson right yeah so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious what happens with that uh, Elamir Dawes like there's interesting pieces um, I'm more yeah. interested in Seton Hall than I am in Butler or DePaul I, I really like the guard trio.
0: I think that Alamir Dawes, Kadari Richmond, and Dylan Adebusu all play nicely off one another. And I think they could play well defensively together, too, I suspect, with Shaheen Holloway. And if you get anything out of the four and five spots of that lineup, that's just, it's a team that you, you just don't want to play. Like, I don't think they're a tournament team, but they're one of those teams that'll really wear you down and like, They'll beat somebody good. Like that's yeah. that right there is the kind of team where if Creighton has a bad night defensively, like we were talking about, all of a sudden, you know, you're the Blue Jays and you look up and you're in a slugfest with Seton Hall in Newark on at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night, and you got to find a way to figure out how to win that game. And they'll do that to a couple teams next year.
2: Yeah, it'd be 34-30 with three minutes left. <laughs> Uh, I think for the Seton Hall team, I got very arrogant because the first few on my list was exactly the way I thought. So I'm like, oh, this is definitely just my list. He's playing a joke on me. All right, so you win this one. (laughs) Um, I think with the Seton Hall team, they're going to be very good defensively. And in turn, I think they're going to be a team that is very good against the spread. I think they're just going to stay in games. They're going to be competitive 90% of the time. Just I don't trust them offensively. ran some really good stuff at St. Peter's. But last year's team just could not score the ball on anyone. They just could not. And, I mean, what? I think they dominated Butler twice, but they scored 70 points in those games. And those Butler teams just quit. They were wet fish. They just did not care. Um, It was – I'm not going to badmouth people that aren't here. Um, But, man, it's just like you can't – if you quit against this team, they will break you. Um, But if you don't get broken, I don't know if they're going to – really have the talent to score a ton um i'm still they didn't really land anyone that really made me change like the narrative on this team i think they're going to be very good they're going to be in a ton of really competitive games just i could see them being like two and eight in like five point games and stuff like that yeah, yeah that's um, I see
1: that. one other thing i guess with their defense was pretty decent last year but i remember talking to you both kind of around the big east tournament last year where the defense didn't really hold up against top-tier competition. They got routed by Kansas, gave up a bunch to Marquette both times, a bunch to Creighton. Iowa. uh, Iowa. Yeah, like, when they played top-tier competition, like, the defense just didn't really hold up. So it is a different team. Um, Hopefully it's a little bit different this year. uh, But if it's the same story and they kind of are able to play great defense and beat up on the bad teams, it's not going to get you anywhere near top eight in the conference. Well, I I like this group more than I like
0: Georgetown just because I think they they might be I don't know, I I trust Shaheen Holloway's defense I think they're going to be better defensively than Georgetown's going to be and they got some veterans like I love Jaden Epps and I think Jaden Epps individually is better than any guard that Seton Hall is probably going to have next year but that trio of guards I think will combined just be a lot more productive than what Epps and Heath are going to be able to do and that's like all right I wouldn't like I think Seton Hall and Georgetown should probably split, but the Pirates could sweep that, and it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all. I um, think Seton Hall has more high-level
2: talent to go steal a game from one of the higher teams than Georgetown does. I think of this group that we've talked about and of the next two teams, spoiler alert, from St. John's or even Villanova down, not St. John's down, um, I feel like Saint, Seton Hall's defense could be the best individual unit on any of these teams. Uh, the problem is, their offense could also be the worst individual unit on any of these teams. So I see. Just, I think I, I need them to I score, think, but they will defend.
0: Here's the thing: they're, Seton Hall's post players next year were not rated very well defensively from, from where they're coming from. And I think that could be an issue for the defense. I do think the offense is going to be better, though. I think, like, Kadari Richmond's in a much better spot to facilitate the offense mm-hmm. than he was last year. And Adewusu fits.
2: Yeah. I like even uh, Sanders, too. I liked him coming out of high school.
1: Andre Davis in there as well. Yeah. So Matt had Seton Hall at eight. I had him at nine. Michael had him at 10. Um, And so we got two teams left for all of the podcast listeners. I'm just going to go through really quick. Marquette was our number one team, and then UConn, followed by Creighton, Villanova, St. John's, and then a pretty sizable drop off after that to Xavier, Providence, Georgetown, Seton Hall. Two teams left. The next one in penultimate team is the butler bulldogs um yeah michael i'll let you take it away here for butler
2: this team i mean it's a completely new look roster now i think you return of the guys who played last year connor turnbull played in like 10 games ish probably 12 something like that and jalen thomas i'm definitely a little worried about this team inside particularly in this conference and jalen thomas is a guy who can space the floor but they should be they at least want it more and i think that really matters The last year's team sure they had some individual talent they did not give a shit they didn't give a shit that season was dead when they got smoked in prop Providence. season was dead at that moment they stopped caring there was no team chemistry nothing they they were dust at that point it was it was pretty embarrassing but um different look team they're gonna care this year and offensively i think telford's a decent lead option and you have like guys who can actually hit shots this year uh DJ Davis is an excellent shooter, like 40%. And he's coming from a winning program. And I think that winning culture really helps at Butler because you had him on a good team. Jalen Thomas was on a Georgia State team that I loved. And I talk about every chance I can. I don't know why I talk about a team that ended up being a 16 seed two years ago as much as I do, but I do. That's that's my life. I just think, and you Posh is the lead guard. I'm definitely a little worried about just shooting outside of Davis and Finley, who I'll talk to why I think this kid's a star. Um, also shameless plug, uh, space Saturday uh, Sunday, be there, be square. Uh with Finley, he'll be there. Uh Finley, I genuinely he's a star. I think this kid is special. I think maybe he won't be on day one, but there are not many guys who can shoot the ball like he can. He is good in space, but he is a dynamite shooter. You give him an inch, and I swear that kid will wet it in your face, and he will not bat an eye. He will have a game where he plays against some really good team and he shoots. You're like, all right, it's 25 points on seven of nine from three butler stays competitive in a game they absolutely shouldn't kid is special he is special and yes i saw you a little laughing that's right haha <laughs> i'm like i'm cheeky with it ha. <laughs> you never know when michael might throw in a double entendre whoo <laughs> but seriously that was a terrible bit i'm sorry uh he is special i think and i think if he's as good he can raise the ceiling and to a guy who i've heard good things about granted part of the good things could be like maybe you're not going against great competition yourself but I think I could argue that Augusto Casilla, if Butler overperforms this um, expectation, this preseason ranking, whatever, it will be in part because of him. He is seven feet tall. He's 21 now for a freshman in college. Sure. Um, But he he looks to be athletic, very athletic. He can jump at the gym. It's just a matter of can he do enough to stay productive on a basketball court and get legit minutes. That would be the question. But if Butler overperforms this expectation, it's because he's legit. Um, there are definitely some worries with this team, but I, I want them to be really good. So maybe that's why I ranked them above Seton Hall, and you guys yep. can fight me now. Well, I I had Butler over Georgetown
0: in mind for similar reasons. I think I think this team has a little more depth of talent than Georgetown does. I think it, it like kind of like the third, fourth, fifth best players on the team, they're going to be better. I like Casilla too. I think that's a good addition, and it's it's year two of a culture build here for Thad Mata. And I'll just bet on that over year one for Ed Cooley. These things can take time to build. So of these, and I think it's, to me, I think Georgetown, Butler, and DePaul are all kind of close here at the bottom of the Big East. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm betting on Th- Thadmod is the best coach of those three teams.
1: So I, that's why I had Butler ninth for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, there's no pieces outside of DJ Davis, I guess. Um, and maybe posh because he's kind of fun, um, that intrigued me a whole lot. DJ Davis, by the way, I think could be actually pretty good. All big West guy at UC Irvine, uh, pretty darn good shooter. Uh, if if Finley Bizjack is as good as Michael thinks he will be at shooting, that could be a pretty decent one-two punch of like just pure sharpshooters. Um, but I just don't, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's nothing here that screams they're going to be any better than last year. And they were bad last year. And so... Yeah, I had him 10th. Uh, I thought about 11th. I really did, but um, didn't do it. Couldn't pull the trigger.
2: I I think you're underestimating Telford. I think Telford's probably the leading scorer on this team. I think he's Uh, legit. I think he's someone on the wing who can, like, this team, last year, they were not physical on the wings. I think that is one thing that'll change. You definitely lose some, like, skill just – raw like shooting from someone like cmos but i think this team is i they'll be much more physical next year and they'll rebound better hopefully even though you're in a conference with a ton of legit bigs and jalen thomas is likely your starting five who's six nine i think listed yeah. but i think telford on the wing is legit i think he's someone who's very good at getting to the bucket all right jumper nothing special but i think he's a physical presence and i think he could average it i think he could lead this team in scoring yeah
0: well no, i i like all these teams at the bottom of the big east for the most part i think to be more competitive than they were last year i think the only concern then becomes where do the wins actually come from because i don't see butler georgetown or DePaul beating yukon or beating marquette or beating creighton or maybe even villanova or st john's depending on what happens uh, i think those are going to be tough wins to get there's only so many wins to go around in conference play. And I think some of these teams might perform better, but you're going to have to you're going to see some of that growth in
1: non-conference play right off the bat. Yeah,
2: yeah I agree.
1: Okay. Um, no surprise here. DePaul with a true 11 rating. Everyone had them That's last. Um, yeah, and, and I did think about it just because their backcourt, arguably to me, is um, more enticing than Butler. I think Jalen Terry is actually pretty darn good. Uh, Caleb Murphy, Chico Carter, they have interesting pieces. Um, they won't win many games. Mac Etienne doesn't fill any holes down low, in my opinion. He's not the answer. So ah, it's disappointing because I want Stubblefield to succeed, but this it's not the roster, man. It's just not. I feel like this
0: is second, third year in a row of us saying that. Um, I like Caleb Murphy here. Like Jalen Terry, Caleb Murphy is a really interesting backcourt. Murphy, he broke his hand. and kind of lost momentum last year and never really put things together. I want to see what he can look like with another year of experience. Deshaun Nelson is one of the more fun players in the Big East. I think that dude will rip a rim off a, a basket at some point here. He's just a, a ferocious dunker. Like Zion Cruz is tough because he's a guy who came in with relatively high expectations for DePaul and it just didn't happen for him last year. And if he, if he puts it together this year, then that could help out DePaul a
2: ton and they could really
0: move up these rankings, but got to see it.
2: Yeah. I think DePaul could actually overperform this ranking. I just, one, I don't know if you're getting much inside at McAtien. I need to see him do it before I buy in because I really haven't seen him do much at UCLA, like I think he averaged one and one, or one point six and one point nine. So I guess two and two, if you want to round up. That's not really going to do it for me. Um, Churchill Abbas is, I've heard good things about him. I haven't seen him play, and it's very hard to know what you're getting out of these international guys without seeing them. So, there. Uh, I like Elijah Fisher though. I like he's someone they brought in in the portal, and I think he was a top thirty recruit in some sites uh, when he went to Texas Tech. Good athlete. Um, played with Canada at the U19 games I think he's really good I think he's someone who not enough people are talking about I think he could be one of their better players and Jalen Terry I like Jalen Terry too I think he's just solid so out of those pieces you got something but you got nothing I mean we're talking about other teams being bad inside you got a guy who averaged two and two he's he's a ceiling guy and if he McIntyre hits his ceiling that changes a lot but he yeah, average two and two. I, I just I need to see it before I can really buy in. And I need to see DePaul be good before I can buy in because at least with Georgetown, like you were given like they've been terrible the last few years, but you were given like change. There's something different happening. Same with Butler. they were terrible last year, but there is change. At DePaul, it's a lot of the same guys, really. So it's and you lose Nick on Genda, who was
0: And you you lose it's a lot of the same guys except for the key players when you did win yeah. games last year. And it's you're the momentum that DePaul is trying to ride is the 24 hours where they, they had the blocked shot against Seton Hall to advance in the Big East tournament, and then, what, 20, 25 minutes against Xavier in that game before the wheels fell off. So uh, this what how many they those 12 games in a row to end the regular season last year? I'm pretty sure DePaul beat Villanova in the regular season and didn't win a game until beating Seton Hall in the Big East tournament, if I have that right. Something along those lines. So, yeah, yeah. Thing, things did not end on a good note. Time. Well, they, they ended on a good note, but everything
1: before that was before bad. Before that, right, yeah. Uh, I guess uh, two other things with them. Jeremiah Oden comes from Wyoming. Wyoming was just such a shit show last year that he was pretty good two years ago. Uh, and, like, Wyoming, I that was one of my massively bad takes last year. I thought Wyoming could have been really, really good, but it didn't work out. Um, Ethan Anderson, Jake Kyman. Max Ekponpolo, all three of the, the California transfers all leave like mid season. Um, so
2: and Wyoming they, was. And they go done. a little down too. Those were guys who were really high. Like, you're like, yeah, okay, you're like, all right, Wyoming could be something. Nope.
1: Right. So uh, maybe he gets back to what he was a couple of years ago, in which case I think he could um, carve out some pretty good minutes. Question for you both if you have this roster and you just teleport Nick Ongenda onto it, still 11th or no
0: i would jump i would i would probably end up with georgetown 11th in that and and de yeah. above them just because you know legitimate post player i think helps a lot in this conference with some of the guys has at the top
2: uh, they would not be 11 for me either and even if they got uh isaiah miranda i know they were after him uh he was mm-hmm. someone who ended up going oklahoma state he had legit like nba buzz like First of all, if you would have taken Isaiah Miranda at any point in that draft, and you are an NBA team, you need to give your head a shake because that kid didn't play a minute in college. And we, he was good in high school, but he didn't play a minute in college on NC State. He couldn't get off the bench. Um, you need to give your head a shake. That being said, that kid has legit potential, and you it leaps off the page. So if they even got someone like him, I'd be high, pretty high on this team relative to everyone else. But you're just – I need stuff. to see something inside before I can buy in, and I just – I want to buy in. I just can't because Depaul is a team that will like. They will be a game where they're like twenty three point underdogs or something, and it's like, all right, that's too many points. And then I'll bet it, and then like they lose by like twenty seven. Thanks.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I'll, I want to make that you.
2: mistake a couple times this year. I know I will.
0: I, I want to correct myself here. Um, it wasn't Depaul's last win wasn't against Villanova. It was against Xavier. They had a, a stretch number where eight. they beat they beat Villanova and number eight Xavier in a three-game stretch and then did not win a game for the rest of the regular season which is just incredible I, I remembering now to the last the last time they had beaten Villanova like the Patriots were undefeated and headed towards the Super Bowl in like 2007-08 season that's how long ago that was so momentum that they got some big wins last year it just they were so injury-ridden that it's hard. Yeah. I think you got to take a mulligan on last year, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge DePaul too harshly for what happened last year because of the injury situation. But you also there's no positive momentum with the roster for this year.
2: Now in 2023 24 season, your Patriots could be worse than my Commanders. How the tie had it turned? Hey,
0: into- they play what was that October early November? And they play each
2: other this year. Sam Howell season, you are so screwed. <laughs> Favored in like two games this year. Oh, you are so screwed. Whew.
0: That's like one of two games I've had marked down as a sure win for the Patriots. For, oh, uh, don't you woo. dare,
2: bro. Our defensive left, we have like defensive line, good, everything else, shit. But if you aren't doing a fantasy draft, never actually, you know what? Maybe one of my buddies in my home league is listening to this, so I'm not going to say it, but <laughs> they'll know what I'm thinking. Left hand up?
0: Left hand up. Super Bowl, baby. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super don't Bowl. Don't draft any Commanders players ever. No. Uh, terry mclaurin um, i got him on my dynasty team i had McLaurin him last uh, year and he's a disappointment um he's my like wide receiver three on my dynasty team
2: so. oh, yeah, yeah that's good luck yeah
0: yeah uh, all right a well, lot of football talk for college football i I, <laughs> I have a i don't know if you guys are doing this on your previews but i want to i want to ask it of you guys because i want to get i want to make a prediction here who wins big east player of the year yeah that
1: was my last thing um Oh, nice. I'm going to go... Sorry to jump you on, on your own podcast. No, no, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm between two, but I am going to stick to it. I'm going to say Jordan Dingle wins. All right. Michael? Did we lose Michael?
0: Oh, no. Yes. He's frozen. He started talking about the commanders and everything stopped working. That... that, that Streamyard gods decided, okay, we've, we've seen enough. Yeah. Um... Uh, I'm between two players, and neither is Jordan Dingle here. Um, <laughs> my kind of obvious pick is going to be Donovan Klingen. If he ends up being the guy everybody thinks he'll be, I think he wins it. My, It's weird. My kind of underdog prediction here is a guy who was a unanimous Big East first team selection last year who's got no buzz at all, and that's Bryce Hopkins. If Providence is good, I think Bryce Hopkins is going to be a huge, huge part of that I think Kim English is going to get him in space. He's going to unleash that shooting ability, and if he does that, he's a guy who could average twenty and ten here um, yeah. for the Friars next year. And if that's the case, then I think he'll win it.
1: Yeah, he's right there. Colt Brenner is right there. I think Colt Brenner could win it. Um, from Michael here, I got a text that says Donovan Klingon because uh, he wants his bet to hit. So all right, then I'll take I'll take the uh, I'll take Bryce Hopkins then if he's taking Klingon. Okay. It is interesting. The, the second straight year of the Big East being like, okay, we just m- mentioned, I said Dingle, but half because I love him. Um, the other three names mentioned, all big men. Uh, yeah, it's a and big no, conference. And no
0: Tyler Colican, the reigning Big East player
1: of the year, who's back. I think he could very well do it. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, hey, thank you for hopping on here. It's been fun. Uh, anything Thanks for else, having me. You can, you can see Matt Road to the garden. Um, yeah, what, what 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 do you got cooking, Matt?
0: Nah. Uh, all kinds of biggie stuff at Road to the Garden, the podcast, the website articles, things like that. If you're interested in Patriots coverage too, I'm over at uh, CLNS now. We have our uh, Pat's Nation Network podcast, which uh, we had we did a show last night. Preseason has started. The NFL is here, so if you're uh, if you're listening to this and you're a Patriots fan, you want to check out that coverage. Go over there and on Twitter at Matt Saint Dream m a t t s t d r e a
1: m. There we go. Well, for Matt St. Dream, Michael DeRosa and Chris Tadinga, Uh thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later.